0: listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your number one source for discussions about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, get ready for a new episode of Vol Basketball Fever. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the fall basketball fever podcast i am nathaniel rutherford joined by gene henley here again to bring you another episode of the show we appreciate all of you tuning in here whether you're listening on your podcast app of choice whether you're watching this on youtube we really appreciate it and, and thank you all so much for tuning in and giving us support here in the off season, heading into the last couple of weeks of april now uh gene it's it's we're getting some heat finally there, there hasn't been a whole lot of movement a whole lot of things to report on really for transfer portal recruiting stuff but now finally uh we're nearing the end of the month some guys are starting to make some decisions it looks like so uh hopefully we'll have some more solid news here soon lady Vols have been uh killing it they, had, they picked up another transfer from uh missouri state uh jasmine franklin i will hopefully be able to get her on the show and interview her we'll, we'll see about that but I'll let you all know if it happens but gene on the uh men's side of things here uh got a couple of questions. This is going to be a mailbag episode. So thank you all so much for sending in your questions for this episode. If you see your name on here, uh, thank you. And I'm going to have the questions flash up on the screen on YouTube. So if you're listening, you won't see it, but you also hear your, I guess, Twitter handle called out. But uh, if you are here watching, please give this video a like. We'd really appreciate it. That uh, Subscribe to the channel while you're here too. Uh, again, also appreciate that, but share this around and hopefully we give you all some satisfactory answers to your great questions. Well, Gene, let's start off here with kind of a, a, I'm going to kind of try to figure out the order I want to go in. An easier one to kind of get the ball rolling here is from at KBest51 on Twitter, where they ask, what are the rules for the transfer portal? How late can teams add players from the portal? Uh, Gene, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe May 1st is the deadline in terms of if you want to be immediately eligible and use your, you know, your one-year Um, you know, the granted uh, eligibility waiver that everyone was granted that, you know, you don't have to be a grad transfer. You can just use your, you know, one-time transfer rule. I believe players have to put their name into the portal by May 1st to qualify. You can still put your name in the portal after that, but unless you're a grad transfer, there's not a guarantee that you're going to get, uh, you know, be eligible for next season. So I believe May 1st is the deadline for the one-time transfer to be guaranteed that you can play next season.
1: That's... That's my understanding as well. Um, obviously, some certain things I've been trying to deal with because of a couple situations uh, here in Chattanooga that would maybe change some of that. Like there's a kid who's put his name in the draft, but he put, hadn't put his name in the portal yet, and there's a question. Like, but, but, yeah, as far as kids who have not graduated, then you have until May 1st to officially put your name in the portal, which is good because you don't draw these things out. And I think last year it was like June 1st. You had kids the whole month of May doing it. So uh, at some point you've got to put your roster together. So yeah, May 1st is a good date and uh, May 1st is the, is the answer to this question.
0: Yep. All right. Well, that was a pretty easy one to get on the, uh, the ball rolling here. So let's move on to one about kind of looking at who Tennessee could add. This is at Tennessee sport eight on Twitter. Uh, who will Tennessee most likely get out of the transfer portal? Then list off a few options here. You know, Tyreek Key, Uri Collins, and they mentioned Julian Phillips, but Julian is not a transfer that is a recruit, uh, but still mentioning just Julian Phillips as a, as a potential, I guess, addition for Tennessee as well. So out of those, who is Tennessee most likely to get? Tyreek Key, Uri Collins, Julian Phillips, and then also they add, thanks, love the show. So thank you. Appreciate you sending in the question. Appreciate you listening in. Uh, Gene, to me, it seems like two, two of those three seem actually very likely right now uh, for the Vols, I, I believe. Um, Tyree key has gotten a couple crystal balls on two or seven, uh, for Tennessee. He uh, just visited Tennessee this past week. I want to say, uh, I think also was visiting or going to visit Texas tech. So Tennessee is in the thick of things with him. And he's of course a, you know, a Tennessee native, he, he played high school in, in Tennessee, uh, went to Indiana state, played there for several years and then, uh, put name in the transfer portal last off season, Tennessee was interested in him. Contacted him, and I don't remember if he visited or not, but they were, you know, would, would love to have added him last year. But then he decided to stay at the Indiana State. He ended up having shoulder surgery and didn't play at all this past season. Um, it looked like his shoulder had been bothering him for a, a little while because you saw his numbers drop off um, in the 20, in 20, twenty 2020, 2021 season. Um, and then, of course, he didn't play at all last year. But Gene, I think he is probably the most likely of, of all that grouping. But I still think Uri Collins is not far behind. I, I think Tennessee gets him too. Like it, it seems like all the signs behind the scenes are pointing to Tennessee landing Uri Collins. I don't think he's set up a, a schedule or anything like that officially right now. But already saw like not long after he announced his transfer destination that th- there were reporters and stuff in the in the St. Louis area already mentioning that uh, Tennessee was a front runner for him. Yeah, we've talked about both these guys on the podcast already, but Uri Collins, a point guard who led the nation and assists also the nation and turnovers. But when you're, when you handle the ball much as he did and, and you know, have the assist numbers that he had, you're, you know, you're still going to turn the ball over some too, but he still had a, a two to one assist to turnover ratio while averaging almost eight assists per game. Uh, that's pretty solid. Tyreek key again was a guy who a couple years ago was a 44% three point shooter. Uh, then like a 38, 39% uh, three point shooter before his, his shoulder start bothering him. And that drops like 32, 33, um, in his, I guess, fourth year at, at Indiana State, 30, I, I think fourth year at Indiana State uh, before he had the shoulder surgery. But Gene, I think Tyke Key and Yuri Collins are both almost kind of neck and neck in terms of odds. I'm not feeling great about Julian Phillips. Um, it seems almost like a, you know, I don't want to say like the highest bidder is where he'll go, but it, I mean, it's the, in the area of NIL, like that, that doesn't feel as slimy to say anymore as it did, you know, a couple of years ago go make your money kid. Like if you, if you think you can get, you can get more money somewhere, go there and, and make the money. like, uh, he's a talented kid he's looks like he's going to go visit at Kansas state and Auburn, um, Tennessee and FSU were teams that were in it before he committed and ultimately signed with LSU before backing out because of, you know, the, the firing of will Wade. But Gene, I think key and Collins are pretty even odds in terms of, I, I think both those guys have high odds. And even in terms of like, I think both are very likely to come to Tennessee I'm not. I'm not feeling great right now about Julian Phillips uh, and Tennessee's chances of getting him. They, they still can, but um, I don't know that Tennessee's going to have the you know the NIL money necessarily to throw at him that he's maybe looking for at this
1: point. Yeah, and I think since Kevin Durant, who was the last elite wing that I mean that Rick Barnes has landed.
0: Hmm. That's a good question. How'd they go back and check that? That's a really good question. I feel
1: like that, yeah, I feel like it's a system, like, you know, sometimes styles make fights and systems make players, and uh, and that's no knock on any individual player. I just always know that certain players will look better in other systems. And, you know, like, you know, you're talking about a kid who's six eight, who, you know, is listed as a combo forward, you know, can do a lot of different things on the court, Um and while I'm at it, while I'm mentioning this, um, if I was Tennessee, I would probably make a run at at Ace Bailey. Uh, I know this is completely unrelated as a 2024 kid, but I watched him play two weekends ago, um, and that kid is elite. Uh, he's a six six eight sophomore. Uh, just kind of put tuck your name, took that name like deep somewhere. But like you're you're talking about a system that's very Reliant on guards, um, if you know, that's why I think Collins is such a it's such a, a slam dunk option. That's why I think he is such a slam dunk option because you're talking about two guys who can, who are obviously who are experienced and can kind of come right in and play. Um, the Phillips thing again, we were joking before the podcast started that this was probably going to go to the highest bidder, and I, also I just don't know. I just don't know about, like, again, like, kids aren't dumb nowadays. And so when you are checking out the landscape of all the places that you could potentially go, and you maybe be, you know, these kids, some of these kids are doing their homework, especially at your highest-level schools. Like, what would make, when you look at some of the kids that, you know, the, the teams that have been successful for Tennessee um, under Rick Barnes, you don't have many elite wings out there. Um, was uh, what was the kid that from Dyer County that was a five-star? Hubs. Yeah. That mm-hmm. he, he never played. He ne- at no point did he play under Barnes, no. if I recall. Uh, actually, okay. wait, he might so, have his. Oh my gosh, I that to first check. season I wasn't—I wasn't sure. Yeah, but, he, I'm gonna double check that. Cause um, I, th-
0: I think his last year was Barnes' first year. So let me check that.
1: Right. And even then that wasn't a system that was necessarily great. Um Yeah, that was that was I the third was head coach in three
0: good. years type yeah. situation. So uh let's see. In yeah. twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, Robert Hubs yes, he was on the roster uh, that season and he played uh in thirty games that year for Tennessee.
1: Gotcha. So and that and how, was he like exponentially better that year than he was other years? or uh, I guess That was, that...
0: The, I mean, that was the year where he, I mean, he had so many injuries. It's hard to like gotcha. quantify. But actually, I he, played, I he, sorry, he played corner. two years with her Barnes. He, uh he played. Yeah, and actually, he got you know his, his senior year is his best year, so he actually did improve. I mean, it wasn't like the most drastic improvement you've ever seen, but he did improve. But he had so many injuries and stuff. It was hard to like quantify. But he went from uh basically playing the same, almost same amount of minutes from his second year to his third year and increased his point production by over about almost three and a half points and rebounds by a, re- a rebound per game. So, I mean, he his shooting from threes went down, but his shooting from inside the arc went up. So, yeah, he got he got better with under Rick Barnes. It's, I'll say that. He did get better. Got healthier. That, yeah. that was kind of the key.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, since then, um, they really haven't had that just, guy that's come in. Like I, again I think Admiral was a good player, let's be clear. I think Admiral Admiral still bounced around the league a little bit. But you know, I mean like that was a you know, that was a perfect fit of a kid who came in, grew, developed and a lot of these kids aren't necessarily looking at this from a come in and develop and all. They want to be good right away. Is that realistic? I don't know. I just think that when we were talking about the you know the creme de la creme of prospects then you kind of have to look at things from the perspective of um, how good can I be right away? Are there certain places I can go that I can be good right away? And I think that when Julian Phillips looks at a Tennessee, he asks the question, you know, can he be good right away? Especially when you look and, I mean, all the guards that are coming in, um, not to mention you'd have to fend off somebody like Josiah Jordan-James and there's, I mean, who's a five-star too. So if you want to do the whole five-star thing, then like this kid was probably about rated about as well as you were and has developed into a wing in his time uh, in in Knoxville. So I just, A, I just don't think it's a good fit. I understand that you have to, you have to make a run at him, but I just don't think it's, I've never really thought, that was a good marriage, good fit between the two sides. I mean, he like, he could choose Tennessee, and completely like shock me and like and crush it. I just, I just think that there are better situations for Phillips to go to than Tennessee, where he can be more productive right away. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you get Key, who's you know what, six three, six four. You've got Collins, who's listed at six feet even. You bring those two kids in, you know maybe you know, shake, shake the portal, because I think that gives you, what, three? What, what was that, three editions now with B.J. Edwards? Mm-hmm. Yep. Or that's it. Like, that's all they've brought in so far. So they've still got a lot of work to do, um, if I recall, because they mm-hmm. lost, lost Bailey... Um, they lost yeah, Chandler's so you still you still have a couple
0: more guard. spots after that yeah because you've you've technically had five holes to fill and then B.J. Edwards fills one of them and if you get both Key and Collins, theres two more so that you have two more spots to fill if I did the math correctly
1: <laughs> gotcha um uh, and that's what I was thinking so yeah I, I think that obviously you've got to go find guys who are proper fit. like it's it's you know recruiting is so much of a year-to-year thing now like it's like, it's, hard, it's something that's hard for me to adjust to because all of my thought process is always, you know, big picture thinking, you know, which means you're not looking at the right now. Like, you're looking at how this can be good three years from now, four years from now. And that's how we've all been wired to think in terms of college, mm-hmm. specifically. You know, fans, you know, I, said, I mean, I don't claim fandom of any team, but I mean, like, when you watch, I would – I would be frustrated, you know. With I understand everybody wants to come blame nil, whatever, whatever. It's here. You can, you know, you can say it's going to kill it, but I would say, you know, ridiculous contracts being paid to head coaches is killing it just as much, especially when they can leave two years later. Um, but you have to say we've all kind of had to readjust our thinking now because you know, like it's it, it's all year to year. Like you're you know, and I understand like the tiers. I've talked to coaches about the tiers of recruiting now and it's like graduate transfers, it's transfer portal, um, uh, it's your own roster, it's JUCO's, and then it's high school kids. And it's pretty much in that order. I mean there aren't that many I mean yeah, you know, obviously Julian Phillips is the exception. Yeah. Because yeah. if it weren't for a, if it weren't for a firing, he wouldn't be available. Mhm guys that you really want that, that could be available at this level, at the Tennessee level, they're, they're already gone. Like, because, I mean, you're getting this – you're getting a commitment, you're getting a signing, and you're like, well, we're locked in, let's go. But it's so different now. And, and that's something that I think we've all kind of had to adjust to, to where, you know, like it's things for these high school kids that because of the COVID and all this, that, and the other – that everybody has an additional year, I mean, like obviously everybody knows that listen to this podcast I cover UTC who, who picked up a kid today, uh, Jamal Johnson, who's on his fourth school, played it all he played at Memphis, he played at auburn um, he played at UAB and he had one more year he has one more year left he's and he's coming to Chattanooga, and so like if, if it were not for the COVID year he wouldn't have it, so like there's so many things that are making all this stuff hard to really develop a roster so you have to look at all this stuff from one year increments i mean you, you thought you were gonna have huntley hatfield for a year or two got him for a year and he didn't leave happy he didn't necessarily leave making the team better um you kind of figured you were gonna have chandler for a year got it kind of expected tomba you maybe thought he was a developmental guy you could have him for five years didn't happen kid got one year we'll see where he ends up but i don't see him going he won't make a lateral move best situation he ever had was where he was just at (laughs) and he'll go down now and it's fine he can be successful he can be a successful player at you know southern conference sort of school like there's no knock on that it's division one basketball like you know heck, utc and tennessee have split the last two times they played and uh so, I mean, you're talking about a situation where you've got you've got to change this, you've got to adjust this. These kids are always trying to figure this stuff out, and uh, we're all trying to figure it out in real time as well. But you get these two, you know, see what else you need, you know, find you a couple of experienced bigs in the portal, um, and you should and you should be fine going into next season. But I think that that's I think that the two uh, kids that were mentioned are right now um, all we know about.
0: Well, that leads we in really well we to, so, yeah. Uh, so that leads really well into the uh, the next question here from uh, Andrew Davis at Andrew D two thousand one on Twitter, who says, "How do you think Tennessee's rotation will look if they do add Key and Collins?" And he also adds kind of a a follow up to that: Is do you think BJ Edwards gets much playing time? So the rotation. <laughs> Uh, that's the interesting question to me, Gene, is because I one hundred percent think, you know, adding a you know, an experienced point guard makes a lot of sense with the way the roster looks with, with you having a sophomore, Sakai Ziegler, and a freshman BJ Edwards, who, you know, yes, we did just have two true freshmen for Tennessee be the primary ball handlers last year, but that was a different you know, Kennedy Chandler is a totally different breed of point guard. He he was one of the better um point guard prospects coming out of high school in the last few years um he, he was a very talented kid that you didn't you wouldn't mind you know handing the keys over to and you trusted him ziegler was a nice surprise like i i, I was going to be curious to see what had happened if ziegler didn't emerge because um it would you just have would have had vescovy be the backup point guard because i mean you didn't have another option and ziegler kind of i wouldn't say fell into your lap but you got you know lucky that you were able to scout him when you did and find him when you did and and you know get him to commit and stuff but it you know they have him, and he was a really good backup, and really good, you know, late in the game situations too. When you had your four guard or three guard lineups, to me, I think if Collins is coming here, he's coming to start. Like I, I don't think he's coming here to back up. I think Uri Collins is coming to Tennessee to, if he comes to Tennessee, to be the starting point guard. So I think he's your starter, and you have, you know, I still think late in games you go to a, a more guard heavy lineup because I think Tennessee's guards are just still better than their forwards overall, um, especially late in games. I think you'll see Vescovy out there. I think you'll see Ziegler out there. And I think you'll see, you know, probably Collins out there as well uh, in that case. Uh, with Key, it's going to be interesting because that, that to me, makes me think if they get him, miss out on Julian Phillips and, and see kind of where they go with, you know, the rest of the spots, if they try to go after another big man in the uh, recruiting class, go the international route or go to a big man in the portal. But, Gene, you know, I think that, uh, to me, if they get Key... I think he's. I don't know that he'll start, but I think he's a guy that could be your your sixth, seventh man, a guy who plays a pretty good amount of minutes off the bench. Is kind of what I'm feeling. But he's a guy that fills the, I guess, kind of the two three role. And I think if he's in as the three, because uh, you have Askia at the two, then I think you see Josiah at the four. And I, I, th- I think overall this year you're going to see what you saw last season once um, Olivia Kamau went down, which is still more small ball lineups. Uh, I just think that's just how Tennessee's roster is going to you know be more guard heavy, going to be more guys that are 6'4 and shorter, you have more of them than you do guys who were taller than 6'7, so I think it's just going to be more guard-heavy, and you'll see more of that kind of play out as the season goes on. Of course, that's all, you know, get Key's big thing for me is how does he recover from that shoulder surgery um, because he he didn't play all, all last year, which, you know, maybe, maybe that's good. Maybe he needed the whole year to recover, and it's not like a Lamonte Turner situation where he just kept trying and trying and trying, and he maybe should have had surgery beforehand. And also, Lamonte's was a freak thing where – uh, the only other person that we'd I heard of who ever had that was uh oh god that the NBA player I just forgot his name but it was a it was a really you know not a common thing I don't think I don't think uh Yuri uh, Collins had that issue but you know I think the more interesting thing too is not just you know I forget the rotations interesting too but B J Edwards is intriguing it, you you've seen him play and I was gonna defer to you on that specific point more than my opinion because he seems kind of like a, a combo guard I don't know that he's a combo guard to the same extent like Lamonte Turner was because I think he's a more Suited to play point guard, the, the Monte was when he first got in. He, the Monte learned point guard position and, and got better at it as he came along. But he was more of a, you know, more of a shooter off ball type guy when he got here. But I think BJ is a, is a combo guard. But I, I, I don't, you know, adding Collins, having Zakai on on campus already, having Vespi, you know, likely returning on campus already. I don't know that BJ Edwards plays. I mean, he's he's going to play this year. I think he's talented enough to play. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know that he's going to play maybe as big of a role as he thought he was when he first committed. I think he's you know, he's he's still committed for the long run. He's not a one-and-done type guy. But I think 10, 15 minutes a game maybe kind of is what I would see for B.J. Edwards. I think he plays. I don't I don't think he's going to redshirt, but I, I'm intrigued because you, you've seen him play more than I have in person, and you I know you've talked about his game before on the podcast, so I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. So what do you, what do you think kind of B.J. Edwards' minutes are going to be, and then rotation-wise, are you, are you like me? Do you, you Are you expecting it to be more of a small ball lineup for Tennessee this year?
1: Yeah, I can see that. Um, I'm going to make a weird comparison. I always like making weird comparisons. I'm sal- to I like your
0: weird comparisons, Gene.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and But I'm going to say for BJ Edwards, I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go Vescovy. I'm going to go Vescovy. And I'll okay. say that he's not as good of a shooter, obviously, but... If you can get that sort of production, because you won't, you'll get them in different ways. But I think that I think they're similar sort of players because they're about six three, six four. They can play multiple positions. You can use them in a myriad of ways. Uh, whereas obviously Vescovy is a better shooter. I think that uh, Bj is probably stronger. Is better at attacking the basket. Will probably a better defender than Vescovy will be. Um, and so if you get that in a different, if you get that in a different way, but you get similar sort of production. Then I think that that's a good fit for him, but he's going to be the type of guy that gives you maybe five, ten minutes um, a year, and um, I, I think that'll be I think that'll be good production from him. So, um, as far as how much do I see BJ playing this year? Not a lot, um, because if you're gonna if you can get the same sort of production out of Vescovy uh, who's older, then why would you need Edwards? If you've already got Key in there, who's also going to be, I think, you know, will play a sort of role, a role similar to Vescovy, why would you need B.J.? If you, can get a, if you can get in a senior, unless the freshman is that much exponentially better, why would you go to a freshman? You wouldn't. If, and, I mean, same thing, uh, same thing with Collins. So I think the minutes just get tougher. Where does Justin Powell fit into this? I mean, we all fall in love with mm-hmm. the shiny new toys. We kind of forget about the ones that are that we've already had. And you know you've got Zila returning, you've got Powell returning, um, you've got obviously the People's Champ Josiah, you know a guy who can just play a number of different a number of different places. And so I don't know if there's a spot. I think you just run out of spots. And you know after this season, now I think what would be interesting is if if you have if you have BJ, how does the recruiting look this time next year? Because this time next year, you would have had a full year to kind of analyze what you got in in B.J. And if they go out there and start going after a bunch of combo guards next year, that may be a different style. And again, like, I think B.J. is very capable of playing the point, let's be clear. Uh, like, there's no, like, I, I mean, we're saying combo guard, and I think a lot of people are maybe underselling how good B.J. Edwards is. Mm-hmm. Maybe because he doesn't have the quote-unquote star ranking of other players, but... That kid's a really good player. Like I've seen him live multiple times. I saw him at the IMG game. I guess that was in twenty twenty, maybe. Um, the IMG Knox Catholic game in Knoxville. Yeah, I'm trying to uh,
0: remember when that was too. I think it was twenty one. No, because it was. I think it was. Golly, I don't remember. It, no, it was
1: twenty. No, it was no, it was twenty. I was covering Tennessee at the time. I know okay. that for a fact. It was. I think it was either it was either nineteen or twenty. I'm pretty sure it was twenty. Um. Yeah, it was twenty. So um, I sat there and watched that game when he was a sophomore, and I'm like, Oh no, this kid can play. And he's and he's the type of kid who will play better in the moment. Like I don't know what he had in that game. Probably like twenty five or something. I don't remember. I, I don't know. Who cares about that? Maybe not even that many. Maybe he had like fifteen twenty. Um. But you're talking about a guy who's who can play, and. I think there's something to be said for just being a really good basketball player. Even just because you can't jump 45 inches or or do something stupid like that doesn't mean that you're any less of a basketball player. You may get production differently than you got it from Kennedy Chandler, but that doesn't mean that you're any less effective. Chandler and Ziegler weren't the same player, but Ziegler was no – I mean, let's be honest. Like, I mean, we've had enough time to say this – There wasn't much separation from how good and how, you know, productive the two players were to the program. I understand Chandler had better stats, but there were a lot of times where the offense didn't look a a bit different when Ziegler was in there as opposed to Chandler. And so you can get to your end destination any number of ways, but which is the one that – like, which is the one that you choose to go with? And like I said, I think that BJ's a guy who can – contribute. Now, will it be next year? Possibly, possibly not, just because I think the, the, the spots are filling up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to be at this point. They better go find some guys that have some size to them. Otherwise, they're going to be one of the smallest teams in the country. Because last time I checked, uh, once you get past Olivier and uh, Eurosh, am I forgetting a bunch of bigs that are still in the program? Because Fulkerson's, Fulkerson's gone. Huntley Hatfield's gone. Tomba's gone. I thought they only had five. Get,
0: you get Adu in there too, but
1: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Not, and I like him as a player too. So, but mm-hmm. so, so yeah, you better because you don't want to go into a season with your whole lineup being six foot, you know, six foot to six six, and then you sprinkle in a seven footer, uh, a six ten, six eleven kid, and a six eight kid that's coming off an injury. Like that's not a recipe to be good. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good your guards are, you'll get pounded. Heck, they got pounded a lot this year. They had five guys at times, you know. So, yeah, like I understand. Like, and that's and with all due respect, Julian Phillips ain't helping there. Because last <laughs> yeah. time I checked, he was what two hundred pounds. Yeah, maybe two oh five, six eight, whatever. Like he ain't helping with that problem. I think you come to a point now where you've got to get away from, you know, you've already got Edwards, you've got these other kids coming in. You need to go ahead and put all this other stuff to bed and find some bigs that are capable, I mean, that are capable of just being, you know, role guys because that's all Tennessee's bigs are anyway. They're all just kind of glorified role guys. I mean, that's it, role players, and that's it. I mean, like you may get a good game out of Olivier, but you don't expect it. You may get a good game out of Eurosh but you don't expect it. Same thing with I do and with A do. You don't expect it. Like, yo, know, you expect them to do you know, take care of business on the offensive end in terms of screens and maybe the occasional offensive rebound or if one of the guards throws you the ball, catch it and dunk it. But you don't expect you can find you can find two kids who have played at mid major division one basketball who have eligibility remaining who can do that. That's all you need. I mean, like, like quit running after all these star guys and go find some guys. Five star. Guess what five star bigs want to do? Nine times out of ten, they want to play. Yep. <laughs> they want to score, because in their mind, always make this Always make this comparison. Grant Williams was not necessarily developed as a basketball player. He was always a post player, who just now is starting to learn. You know, he's developed a part of his game that he did not otherwise have. He was a good shooter at Tennessee. He didn't shoot it enough. Rick Barnes was begging him to shoot threes. He didn't have the confidence to shoot him in games enough. so he didn't shoot a ton. So you see that. But Huntley Hatfield was the kid who played out in the wing. Adu was the kid who always played out in the wing. That's why the offensive part of Adu's game has come slowly. Like, I mean, he may have hit like a six-foot jump shot at one point. uh, But a lot of his stuff was dunks and putbacks. And that's fine. And that's perfectly fine. But, like, you have to understand, like, you know, these kids want to kind of be what they are. You've got to change that. And, like, you know, like, I'd much rather go out and get some kids who will play the mid-major, you know, who are great Williams types. You know, I mean, they, they don't have to be as good as him. But they've got to – they need to be kind of kids who are about six, you know, six seven to 6'10, who are perfect, like I said, who are perfectly okay just taking care of their business. Go set screens, go defend, go rebound – Maybe hit the occasional three, pump up the crowd, dunk, salute the you know salute that massive Tennessee student section, whatever with tank dog salute. I don't care what you do, but Tennessee's about the guards. So let's be clear about that. So, I mean, as you can see with all the people that are about to get in the portal, we we think.
0: Yeah, I would I would back that up with what you said about the kind of maybe going after in the post uh you need one more post body regardless of who it is and kind of how you get it but you're right like what you have right now is not going to win but like like we've said they have openings still this is not a complete even even with adding potentially key and collins like that's still not a complete roster there's still uh room to add some more uh we'll get to actually uh, i'm trying to think there's a there's a couple of questions that i want to go towards and i'm trying to figure out which one of them that i want to go to next. I think the next one I'm going to go to is kind of builds off that better, I think. So it's from uh, Derek on Twitter at the Jim Rat 13 says, what is this team's ceiling next year? Assuming Collins, Key, Phillips, all jump aboard. So I'm going to take out Phillips. Sorry, Derek. I know that was you know kind of altering your question here a little bit, but looking at adding Collins and Key again, I know we just talked about, you know, you need a post person. I-, I-, I feel like it's hard to answer this question, James, maybe why I'm putting it here, because I think we can kind of talk about just a, a tiny bit and kind of move on because it's still not this is not a complete team yet. But I think it's worth looking at of a comparing a try to make like an apples to apples comparison of technically like who is Collins, you know, looking at who who's departed Tennessee's roster and who Tennessee is adding. Who who is Collins replacing? Who is Key replacing? To me, I think Tyree Key is replacing you know Victor Bailey Jr. basically um, from that you know him. Or, it's not Quentin DeBonge, So I would say it's Victor Bailey Jr. is basically who. Terry Key's replacing because he's a guy who uh, shot the ball really well before his injury. He's, but he's also a guy who can tack the basket and, and is built. Like he's a big guy. Um I think he's like six three, two hundred something pounds. Like he's he's a he's a bigger body guard. Uh two oh
1: two oh five, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, like that's that's not bad size for, for a six three guy either. Uh, but look I've seen pictures of him. He's got some muscle on him already, so like he's he's a pretty big guy. So I think to me, Key is replacing Bailey, and I I think that's an upgrade because I, th- I think he has better defense than what Bailey had. I'm um, just looking at kind of like defensive stats and stuff. So I, I think that's an upgrade. Um, if, if, if at worst, I think it's a push, but I-, I think if it's a push, it's a push from like Victor Bailey from the previous season, not this last year, because this last year he dropped off the face of the planet for Tennessee, but he was a pretty good contributor the year before. I think what he did the year before could be kind of what you expect from key. So I guess he would be an upgrade then in that respect from what Victor Bailey was this past year. Collins I guess is replacing uh Kennedy Chandler which I'm sorry for the Yuri Collins but that's a downgrade I mean Kenny Chandler was just a phenomenal player I don't think that Collins is capable of creating his own shot the way that um Kennedy did and and you know attacking the rim and finishing at the rim the way Kennedy could um so I, I think Collins is a downgrade but at, but at the same time I still think Collins is a really good player um but technically you're you're replacing Kennedy Chandler almost by a committee with adding in Collins and also adding in BJ Edwards, who's a, you know, as we talked about a combo guard, uh, but who's a very talented combo guard who's capable of playing, you know, point guard and, and, sh- and shooting guard both. So kind of, I guess, by committee is, is Collins and Edwards, but it's still a downgrade to me because of how good Chandler was. But Collins is an experienced player who has been in, in college uh, for three years, I think, and played really well, for St. Louis, especially this past year. And he's played pretty well against high major competition. I looked up his stats and stuff against like, you know, power six schools basically. And he played, he's played some pretty good games against those teams and had pretty good assist to turnover ratio against a couple of SEC schools as well. They played Auburn and they played uh, a few other. I think, you know, again, high major schools, but you know, again, we don't know all the, the uh, new additions yet, but the ceiling for next year's team, Gene, as you know, just with those two additions, looking at it as it is, because, again, I don't think they get Phillips. If they get Phillips, um, I, I think he's a pretty – I mean, he's a he's a true freshman, so it's hard to, like, gauge, you know, how does he replace Brandon Help me, Hatfield because that's who he's replacing. But they're not the same body size. They're not the same type of player. So, again, it's also hard to, like, quantify that. But I'm just assuming they don't get uh, Julian Phillips in this equation. But, Gene, I, you got to think, if they add Collins and Key – if they go add a quality big man who is capable, he doesn't have the start, but is this capable of giving you some good minutes and, like you said, like doing the dirty work, getting rebounds, um, being able to at least maybe sh- shoot a little bit, have an offensive game that's worth you know talking about uh, down low, along with Cam Law, who was developing a, a pretty decent offensive game down low. Like, I like this team. I don't know. I'm gonna be. It's just gonna be very interesting to see who they add because it, it really depends on how they fill those last couple spots. Uh, where they go? Do they go for a wing player? Do they go for a true post like four or five guy? Um But I, I think the addition of Collins and Key, I I think they make this team you know quite a bit better, and they add experience in the backcourt where Tennessee right now is lacking a lot of experience aside from Vescovy. um because I I mean, guess you you could technically count I guess Josiah is like a weird hybrid where he can play the post but he plays in the wing too, so he, he's a wing player. So you got Josiah and Vescovy, but the rest of those guys are all really young. Um, I mean, Ziegler played a full season last year, but he's still you know a young guy. You have BJ Edwards, who's young. Justin Powell has, I mean, he's still pretty young too. He basically had his freshman year last year. So adding the experience of Key and Collins is huge for that backcourt, in my opinion, too. So I, I think you know I think the ceiling is maybe higher than what what some people may think for Tennessee next year, but it's really going to depend a lot on how they fill the rest of the holes. But I, but I do think if they end up landing both Collins and key that, that really does raise Tennessee's ceiling quite a bit, because I think it, it brings a lot of factors to Tennessee's backcourt and Tennessee's roster that um, they really needed to address this off season.
1: Those are good points. Uh, I, I think that getting these, you know, getting the kids that they currently have, well, they don't currently have them, but you kind of think that, you know, you think the key's coming, you think that Collins is coming. I think it makes them better. I'm not sure how good it makes them right mm-hmm. now, right now, because, you know, like I, I just look at a team that struggled to really generate offense when they weren't like when the guards weren't out here, you know, being great. And again, I, I'm always going to be a firm. Point of how many ways can you win games? And can you win games when you're not making shots? We talked about it numerous times last year. Can you win games when you're not making shots? Um, and if you're basically taking out Victor Bailey, uh, Kennedy Chandler, and you're replacing them with Key and Collins and B.J. Edwards, then you're essentially the same team at that position, but now you're also replacing John Fulker. Won you a game last year. Uh, specifically, won you a game last year. Mm-hmm. And what are you? You lost Huntley Hatfield, who started a lot of games last year. And I mean, you lost Tomba, but okay, it is what it is. Um, And what are you replacing that with? So, if we're talking about what are the prospects of this team, I got to give them an incomplete right now because, as you said, we got to see what this thing looks like in the end. Like, I mean, let's not fall in love with like these with two transfers who have played it, you know, kind of, I mean, they've been productive, but they've also done it at lower levels in theory, in theory, like, you know, 1,600 points, I think is what Key was at in his Indiana State career. Um, what's it, you know, the, the point guard is kind of like uh, the kid that went to Kentucky this year um, from Georgia.
0: Oh yeah. Severe Wheeler.
1: Yeah. Like you, you look at just some of the stuff where the kid, Sometimes he scores a little bit. I don't know how good of a shooter he is, but he's really great at distributing the ball to other people. And that's that's certainly a down that, – that's certainly not the same as what you just had with Kennedy Chandler because Kennedy can go get you 20, 25, 30. Yep. Uh, this kid has not shown that he can. I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying he hasn't shown – and we've got two years of a sample size to see that he hasn't shown that he could do it. So, like at this moment, like I, I mean, at this moment, I'm I say they take a step back. I don't know how big of a step back it is. You know, last year we said, you know, last year we we both kind of correctly pegged them to be like low twenties, low, and then they won the SEC tournament, won a game in the NCAA. This year, I just don't know if that's going to be the case until we see what you replace Fulkerson and Huntley Hatfield and Tombo, how you use those three scholarship spots.
0: You made a really good, I think, comparison to uh, Severe Wheeler and yuri Collins. The, 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 there's slight differences. I think yuri is a better defender. He at least has better steal numbers. I mean, that's not you know, that doesn't make a defender better necessarily, but he does have higher steal kind of per game and overall steal numbers than what uh steals than what Severe Wheeler has done in his his college career. Um but their their numbers are pretty similar. Uh Uri Collins in three seasons at St. Louis, uh shot forty two percent overall, averaged basically about six and a half field goal attempts per game. Uh Xavier Wheeler averages actually more field goal attempts per game, which is kind of crazy because he did, doesn't shoot the ball a whole lot, but he's averaged uh, nine and a half in his career at Georgia and Kentucky. Uh but he also has shot forty three percent. So like a, a there's like a not much difference between there. Forty-two percent for Yuri Collins, forty-three percent for Wheeler. Uh, Collins is a better three-point shooter, thirty-three percent to severe Wheeler's twenty-seven point five percent. They both don't shoot the three-ball a whole lot, though. Is the other thing too. Free throws, again, similar. Uh, Yuri's a 70 percent seventy percent free throw shooter. Uh, wheeler's seventy-three, and then points per game in his career. Wheeler has had basically eleven and six assists. Where Collins has had seven and a half and then six and a half assists. And again, the steal numbers are a little different where uh in three seasons, Yuri Collins has totaled one hundred and thirty-four steals, whereas Wheeler has totaled one oh two. So again, even not, like that's not like that much of a difference either. So yeah, it's a good I think it's a really good um comparison, Yuri Collins to Severe Wheeler, really, because right now Yuri is listed as a as a six foot one eighty-five guard. And Wheeler is 5'10, 180. So he's got a little bit taller than him, but again, doesn't like they're they're both, in terms of basketball players, like super super tall or anything like that. But uh, like I think that's a pretty apt comparison. I, I will be interested to see, you know, what he does for Tennessee if he comes to Tennessee and how, you, like you said, you go from a guy who could drop 15, 20, 25 points on a team to a guy who hasn't really done that much. Um, in his his career at a smaller school it wasn't like you know severe Wheeler was doing that at georgia which say what you want about georgia it's, it is an sec school uh st louis has been a good a10 school though uh, just not you know again they don't play to the exact same level of competition that you know severe wheeler had at georgia and of course when he came to kentucky so i think it's a pretty good comparison gene um again your comparisons are, are usually pretty good i like i like hearing them uh, the last one here about the uh, Men's team and then we have one quick one about the Lady Vols I wanted to get to because um I'll, I'll hopefully be doing a Lady Vols specific podcast next week and we'll you know kind of cover those questions and more stuff as well on that one. But the next one is another one here from Andrew Davis, Andrew D 2001 on Twitter. I, I I try I wanted to include it cuz I thought it was a really good one uh, to talk about. It's actually two questions. Um and it I think both are really good. So the first one is going to be what players are you expecting the biggest jump from next season? I think it's, well, if if you're Tennessee, you hope it's a post player. Like you hope it's a Jonas Adu. Like that, that to me would be the, for Tennessee, the ideal answer is if Jonas Adu takes, you know, a big jump, that probably means really good things for Tennessee uh, because it gives you a, a bona fide you know, five that you feel good out there. You know, playing you know 20, 25 minutes in a game and and trusting him, you know, or at least trusting him more. I, they already trust him, I think, pretty well in defense. It's a matter of his offensive game that really needs to take that next step. To be gene, you know, for Tennessee's sake, it they better hope it is Jonas Adu. Um, but I almost I almost want to say it could be Josiah just from based on what we saw in the last you know three weeks of the season. I mean, you could technically say maybe you know, he already had his big jump kind of last year at the end of the year. If you look at kind of overall, you know, total season production, it could be Josiah from a, a guy who's averaged, you know, nine, eight, eight, nine points a game in his Tennessee career. The, this, this last year, he finally kind of eclipsed that double-digit mark and ended up averaging 10.3 uh, points per game on the season. But he was a guy who was, it seemed like he'd found that, that three-point stroke finally um, as the season was closing out and got into SEC tournament and NCAA tournament. I almost wonder if he's a guy that ends up, you know, maybe finding his own and finally has found that offensive rhythm and goes and averages 15 points a game. I don't think so. Like I, it just, it just doesn't seem like Josiah's game to go be a guy who averages 14, 15 points a game, but he's a sneaky one to keep an eye on. Cause he, he'd already kind of shown a lot of improvement as the year went on last year. Does he take another big step? But I, I think for Tennessee's sake, they better hope it's a guy like Jonas Adu. And I think, he has the most potential to take another big step forward. It could be maybe Olivia Camel, but I think last year you kind of quantify that as a, his kind of breakout year before he got hurt. So again, you know, how much has he really improved the numbers that he already was doing with, with eight and six, basically on the year, you know, does he bump it up to like 10 and seven, but even that's not going to be like a, a gigantic step. That's a, it's another good step. But to me, I think Gene, it's Jonas Adu. And I, I think that's, that's, but for Tennessee, I think that's the the ideal outcome. Is that it, it, it? Is Jonas Adu that has the biggest step for them next year?
1: I would I would go Adu. Uh, I don't know how many. I don't know who else can get exponentially better.
0: Yeah, that was my struggle too. Is trying to figure out who who would even yeah. qualify
1: for a big step next year. Right. Like I don't see who can. I don't know if there's and and I'm glad that I, I'm thinking the guy. Who asked the question? I think is also a person um, who could I, actually. I, I got somebody else for you, and it's uh, Justin Powell. Because I thought about him. Yeah, you go from. I mean, just to be different than you, because obviously Adu is uh, is. I think the, I think Adu is the answer, but to throw just to throw another name in the mix, I would say Powell because what you expected from Powell and what you got from Powell were two entirely different things. Well, we forget about that Auburn team that he played for. They were 13 and 14 that year. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they, you know, you know, what like they just took over the world. They were 13 and 14. Like that was not a great team. Now, obviously, him being hurt that year, I mean, um, there were, you know, like they weren't a great collect, but that was a below 500 team. So, like, you know, so you had to, you know, put this kid in a position that he may not be natural with. In terms of just being a point guard, and you know, he obviously did a really good job with it, but now he's trying to be developed into being just more of a flat-out shooter. And, you know, and if if you do have a situation where he can come off the bench, because I don't see him taking the place. Like, let's just all be honest. Um, what we know is that there are two guys today on April twenty-second. There are two guys that we are one thousand percent sure going to start next year. Vescovie, should he return, and Josiah Jordan James. We can just say that and just move on from that. They're both kind of wing hybrids. So now then you throw in probably Eurosh um, and Olivier if he's healthy. And then you potentially have the point guard uh, from Indiana, not Indiana State, but the one from St. Louis. Um, so, like, if you're Powell, you're not going to start. So your role's not going to change an awful lot. But you do have an opportunity there. Because now, you now you're going to have to fight for these minutes. Because if you've got Key, if you've, you've already got uh, Ziegler, you've already got Vescovy, you know, you're, you're t- you've got the point guard coming in. Uh, and the point guard doesn't sound like he can shoot. So... You know, you may have to change some things with that. But, um, you know, so now you're looking at it, Who's going to get these minutes off the bench? If you're Justin Powell, can mm-hmm. you beat out, can you beat out BJ Edwards for these minutes? Can you beat out Tyreek Key for these minutes? Should Key come? Like, that's the challenge. And I think that's what's going to make, that's going to be what you have to watch for because somebody's going to get those minutes. Like, you're going to play – you played Victor Bailey a lot last year. Um, he didn't play well, but you played him in, what, like, 25 games or something like that? 20. You know, it, he played most of the games last season. He was not a bunch of DMPs, which means there were times he was getting in there for three to five, you know, maybe even ten minutes in a game. So, like, you're, you're so somebody's got to take those minutes. Somebody's got to take Chandler's minutes. Uh, if if you're if you're telling me that Ziegler's in the starting lineup, which we we think there's a good chance, because I do think it's hard to tell Ziegler, you were a great soldier last year, but be a great soldier again this year and come off the bench. Like, that's tough. I, I'm just saying, yeah. like that's that's tough because as as I noted, whenever the kid committed, I said try to convince that kid that he's not just as good as Kennedy Chandler. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't as, like, explosively good, but he was as effective for the most part. Chandler's best was better than Ziegler's. Yeah. Ziegler, Ziegler was more consistently good, I'd say, over the course of last season than Chandler. Um, and, and so, like, those minutes are going to start drying up. So, like, there's somebody's going to get left out of that. Maybe Powell and Edwards get left out of it. I don't know. I mean, I already have my issues. I, already, I always say all the time that B-based kids don't stay. And I hate to say it so bluntly, but I, I don't – also think – I think Edwards has been a little differently than the rest of these kids. And I think that's the type of kid who can be a really good player in, in Knoxville. But if those results don't come quickly, interesting. It could be very interesting. So,
0: man, I'll, it's I'll funny be, you say that about yeah. uh, Kennedy Chandler and Ziegler. Because I'm looking right now, and and the box plus minus doesn't always tell the whole story. Um, but on the year, according to the Sports Reference site, on the season, Kennedy Chandler's um, his plus minus was a was a positive nine on the year, like overall, just kind of a, as an average, I guess, on that for the the box what is, box plus plus minus is what it's called it was a nine. Yeah. Ziegler's was seven point two. It's so like that's like you said. That's not a big drop off. Like that's pretty like pretty close. And Ziegler uh, and Vescovy was number one on the team at ten point five. Chandler nine. Uh, Josiah was eight point seven, and then Ziegler was seven point two. And then you have four percent at six. So like a, that that's a you know that's your your top five. Your your top four were Ziegler, James, Chandler, Vescovy, Which I mean, t- watching the season, that made sense. Like that's the top four I would have picked from last year at Tennessee in terms of who had the biggest impact on the season for for the Vols. So. Yeah, there wasn't really much of a drop off in just kind of that the numbers game there too of of Chandler and Ziegler last season in terms of the you know box plus minus.
1: Yeah, and I I don't know like it's like those minutes, those minutes are going to dry up. Like I I just I'll be interested to see. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to I guess the original question because obviously as usual get out go like <laughs> like just way off uh, way off the grid. But I, I do think that Powell. Um, has the potential because if it's not this year, it ain't gonna happen. Because last year, I mean, like last year, you were fighting a couple of the guys. I mean, you're trying to you were fighting Victor Bailey for those minutes. Now you're getting rid of a now you lost a fifth year senior, who's transferred on to East Carolina or what George Mason, one of those places. George Mason, mm-hmm. um, you've you've lost a fifth year senior. You replaced him with a talented freshman. You gotta beat that kid out. That's just that's just what it is. Like <laughs> you gotta you gotta beat B.J. Edwards out for those minutes. You're gonna have mm-hmm. to fight Tyree Key for those minutes. Like he may not make it through the season if if all of a sudden, if Key and if Key and Edwards are getting those minutes, then Powell will be in the portal by December, January. Because it ain't gonna happen for you here, kid. Being honest, it ain't gonna happen for you. You're now a third year, I mean, you're not about to be a third year sophomore. Like, this year, you're a third year sophomore. And, like, so I'll be interested to see that. I, I think that that kid is built for, like, obviously his struggles for defense. So if, like BJ Abrams comes in and he's one of the guard kids, 94 feet. Ooh, buddy. Tyreek Keys to go out there and guard some people. I don't know. I don't know about his defensive numbers, but if he goes out there and will, will lock you down, Powell better shoot ninety percent during the summer. He better shoot like he better. Man, he better <laughs> shoot the you know what off the ball in the summer. I'm just saying, just saying, because like you gotta find a reason for that for that man, Rick Barnes, one of the best coaches in the country. You gotta find a reason for that guy to play. you. And if you can't guard, if you're going to give up 20, damn it, you better score
0: 25. Yeah. <laughs> that's no the way to put it. If you're going to give up a bunch of points, you got to come back and, and score a bunch of your own. Uh, that's Yeah, this is a very, very, very important offseason for Justin Powell, especially, like I said, if, if Tennessee gets key in Collins because um, there are minutes there for the taking. He, he's got to go and, and try to take them. He's got some talented guys to – beat out for those minutes um so yeah to go back to the question I, I think yeah i think adu to me is the answer but i think you're right like powell needs it uh whether or not he does it will be interesting to see but he, he needs it and, and so does Adu for you know to be for tennessee success do they need him to have a, a big jump for next season too. uh the last question here from again the andrew asked two questions i think this next one is interesting uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure that there's an answer that i have for it uh but the question is do you think Rick Barnes approaches March differently after another short tourney run. And I like, I like that question. I just don't know that like what my answer is for it. Cause I don't, I don't really know like what all he could like Gene, what, what from this past year would, could he have done differently in the regular season to like improve Tennessee's chances in the postseason? Cause that, to me, it wasn't that there was anything that was done wrong. Like I I thought actually this year, Tennessee did the best job they had done under Rick Barnes, possibly of preparing for March in terms of playing guys early, figuring out rotations. You had an injury. You had to put guys in, you know, in January and February that you weren't playing a whole lot at at earlier points in the year. Like I I thought this year, Tennessee was better prepared for March um, possibly than they'd ever had been under Barnes and possibly than they had been in a long time. And then they still get bounced in the second round because they got a bad draw with a Michigan team that they did not match up well against. Because as we've talked about many times on this podcast, the NCAA tournament comes down to matchups. It it doesn't really matter. It matters what your seating is in in, in terms of like, you know, where you get those matchups and things like that. But at the same time, like once you get in the games, your seating doesn't matter. Like you're a two, you're a three seed playing an 11 seed. So what? Like that 11 seed was a Michigan team that had a, a lot of talent and one of the best big men in the country in Hunter Dickinson and a guy who also, uh, the the Bridges kid who just went off for twenty something points in that game, who was capable of doing that uh, at at certain points of the season, so uh, Gene, I'd, I I don't know what what Barnes could do differently, you know, next season or the next couple of seasons to really approach differently in March. I mean, maybe play the young guys more or, or, or like earlier in the year, but at the same time, like you look at the young guys who played, like I mean, Kennedy played a, a bunch of minutes all season. But it wasn't like he wasn't giving minutes to the younger players like, um, you know, Brandon Phil hatfield I mean, yes, he basically only got in because of injury, but he was playing minutes and was playing, uh, you know, a starting for Tennessee. Zach Ziegler played a lot that, you know, last past season. Justin Powell was given many opportunities to play and just didn't take advantage of those opportunities. So that's why he didn't keep playing. Uh, Jamai Bashak was put in in key moments. He, he wasn't developed and ready enough to play, you know, too many more minutes. But he he was put in a, in a lot of key defensive situations, especially. So I don't really, and of course, Adu came in once he had, you know got over his sickness and kind of started developing a bit more. Then again, injury happened and he was put in there. So I maybe I'm you know I, I you're more basketball savvy than me, Gene. Maybe there's something I'm overlooking. But I don't you know I don't know how much differently Barnes can approach. March than what he has to to find success. Sometimes you just get unlucky. And Tennessee and Rick Barnes have had uh, many, many years worth of experiences of, of unlucky things happening in March. So I I, I just – I don't know, like, that there's a, a really good answer to this, for me at least. Maybe maybe you have a better answer than I ju- do, Gene, because I just – I'm at a loss on this one.
1: I really don't. I mean, he's – you know, like, it's, it's unfortunate because, like, this is one of those – play the results thing. You know, he lost in the second round, but he lost to, I mean, he lost to a Michigan team that, I mean, it's not like he lost to Loyola. Like, if you look back on all these losses, it's not like they're losing to, I mean, they're losing. I and mean, look, I understand what everybody's going to say. Well, it was this, that, but he lost to a Michigan team that had top 10 talent in the country. Um, and underachieved for much of the season and had to figure some stuff out, which a lot of teams do. Um, like, I, I'm not going to do the thing on this one where, you know, like I understand, like he lost in the second round, but that's this time i kind of feel like that's kind of not fair. Just I, like the results are what they are, but it's not like it was like some massive upset. I wouldn't look at, I wouldn't look at this as three versus 11 as much as it was Tennessee, Michigan, hmm. Michigan team that if I recall, was ranked in the top 10 at one point in the season, early in the season. I think they may have been top five early the season. I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll check that, but they definitely were top 10. Yeah, they weren't a team that fell apart. They had a team that had some issues. And obviously, the whole situation with Juwan Howard, um, Will Smithing that guy after <laughs> the game. Um, like, I think those are the only things that's kind of, that's essentially what transpired. And, you know, they had some issues, and, you know, you listen and you're trying to figure some stuff out. And they had kids that were in and out, and uh, they had to figure some stuff out. But that was also, it's one of those things where, it's always like, man, that's not a, that's a team that you don't want to play in March. The Tennessee had to play him in March. So uh, it, there's not much you could do with roster construction because I felt like he did as good of a job uh, building the roster up last season as he's ever done, ever. I mean, that 18-19 team, they couldn't get better. They couldn't because they were all back. They were all older guys. That's why they were so good early. That's why uh, everybody says they peaked early. Yeah, they did because – they basically rolled out there the first game of the season, and they were 100 percent who they were going to be. You know, like last year's team was an okay team at the start, and then got, you know, progressively better over the course of the season to where, you know, some people had them as a, hey, they could be a whatchamacallit. call hey, it, they could be a, they could be a national championship contender. You know, this, you know, everybody, people were arguing that they should have been a one seed potentially. So I, I, I think that. Uh, I don't think there's really a good answer to that question. I think you know, basically hope that that things work out better for you next time around. Hope that's work out better next season. You know, or maybe you know, maybe it's about the course of the season and then uh you know, figures it out and gets a low seed and you know, sneaks into the tournament and makes it to the Elite Eight or Sweet Sixteen just simply because, you know, people underestimate you because um, because, you know, of your, your record. Me. That's still Michigan talent, which is comparable. I'd, I'd imagine if you look at the twenty-four-seven rankings, uh, the caliber of players is probably pretty similar there for a lot of the top like seven or eight players.
0: Yeah, and, and by the way, this that the, that Michigan team was uh, preseason top was preseason number six, and they had jumped up to number four, I think, because of early season losses to other teams. Because they beat Buffalo in Prairie View, so it wasn't like they beat anybody to. Get up to number four, but you know they they were a top five, top ten team, and then you know just happened to lose early early season contests against Seton Hall, against Arizona, and North Carolina, and then Minnesota that that dropped them out of the poll uh, eventually once they got into um, early December there. But yeah, I I think I I guess maybe go get like a, a. if you want to take it take really overreact from what happened this past year maybe go get like a a big dominating big but how many of those are in the portal anymore and and how many of those do you think you're actually going to go land for if you're tennessee so uh at this point in time with the roster you have so i i I just don't think that there's anything maybe the next next season maybe that's a thing that you look at and and try to get a a, a, you know another like an actual big time kind of big man type of guy, if that's your, you know, cup of tea. And Tennessee's had success running offenses through big men. But I mean, I, like you said, I just don't know that. I don't know that there's really a whole lot differently that you could do. Again, it's just kind of a, the luck of the draw. It, it, really, it's can you stay healthy? Because I really do think that if Tennessee had Olivia Kamau in that game against Michigan, it would have gone differently. Do they win? I don't know. Um, but I I think it's still go. It's a different game if you have Camwa in there and you aren't having to rely on two true freshmen in your post to play significant minutes, and Brandon Huntley hatfield and uh, Jonas Adu in that game, who no one could contend with uh, Hunter Dickinson. I don't know that Kamwa would have been able to either, but he's at least savvier than those two guys and more athletic. Well, I don't know. John Fulgerson was pretty athletic, but he he still has been dealing with injuries and things like that too. But you'd have a, a better body than... And Uroch was a good enforcer. He just, he, I don't know. I, I don't know that it would have gone too much differently. I still think Tennessee would have had a better shot with Cam Widen There's what I'm trying to say. So I don't think you should overreact and say, Oh, because they got beat by a guy with the really you know dominant big man. Tennessee needs to go find one of those to have success in March. Cause I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's the answer necessarily um, for Tennessee. You need some good big men, but like guard heavy teams are typically the ones that have Actually, I'm going to look that up one day and see if that little adage is actually true that the teams that have the best guard player are the ones that have the most success in March. I'm, I'm going to look that up one day, but uh, Gene, I think that's about as good of an answer as either one of us are going to be able to give. Uh, I don't really know if there's a whole lot more that Barnes can do to approach it differently. I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll We'll... we'll I'm gonna I will kind of let that one marinate and maybe that's what we will revisit in a future episode because I, I think it's it's a really good question in my Andrew and I don't want to leave it just kind of like there so I'll let that one kind of marinate in my head a little bit and and we'll come back to it I think in a a future episode so thank you to all of you who asked questions again all of those questions as long as I edited and did the video correctly uh, should all have popped up on the screen as you guys asked them uh, so again thank you all so much for for lending your questions to the podcast here for the mailbag edition of the show. If you guys are new here, I don't think I said the beginning. But if you're new here, thank you. Uh, be looking out for some more mailbag episodes in the off season. We do those a lot more in the off season than we do during the season. But hopefully for Tennessee, we'll have some news to report on here the next, I don't know, week or so for Tennessee, uh, <laughs> for you know, adding some transfers or things like that as well. Uh, hopefully, you know, landing a Tyree Key or Gregory Collins, and we'll have uh, information on that. But uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Please give this video a like. Please subscribe to the channel and the podcast. Uh, rate us five stars on Apple Podcast and on Spotify. Uh, We'd really appreciate all of that. Signing off for Gene, I am Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more video content. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you, all fans.